you're starting to see technology amplify all of the work that is happening at the institutional level. And I think for me, that's what gets me excited. You're listening to Sports Tech Feed, the global sports technology podcast. Hello and welcome to Sports Tech Feed. I'm your host, Thomas Alomes. Great to have you joining us this week. On today's show, we have Jared Barnes, Manager of Former Player Engagement at the Los Angeles Rams. In this role, Jared works to integrate former players as brand ambassadors into the overall marketing, sponsorship and fan engagement strategy of the organization. Additionally, investing into the holistic development of former players through professional development and well-being initiatives. A native of Columbus, Ohio, Jared Barnes has always looked to defy the odds. During his collegiate athletic career at The Ohio State University, Jared became the first student-athlete in the history of the Big Ten Conference to pursue a PhD while on active roster. Following his playing career, he joined the Ohio State football coaching staff as an intern defensive backs coach and would eventually transition into athletics administration at Clemson University as an assistant director of student-athlete development. Following his time at Clemson, Jared launched Prime U, a leadership development platform designed for athletes, coaches, and professionals in the workplace to develop more self-aware, effective, and purposeful leaders. Jared is also the co-founder of the Lab Community, an online community of sports professionals, as well as the mentor for sports tech startups through the Lead Sports Accelerator. Jared also serves on the board of directors for the Sports Business and Leadership Association, a non-profit organization that specializes in providing access to sports business careers for underserved populations. Today's discussion with Jared centered around name image likeness, uh, and that's based off a very insightful report he released last month on athlete marketing emerging trends. So I've included a link to that in the show notes, which are found at sportstechfeed.com. You can also look through our previous episodes uh, and subscribe through the various links there. If you want some more sports tech content and more news and events and everything else that's happening in the world of sports tech, then I also highly encourage you to subscribe to our Sports Tech World Series newsletter, sportstechworldseries.com, down the bottom, sign up there. We'll only contact you once a week uh, with all that you need to know in the world of sports tech, so not overwhelming you, but there's definitely enough to sink your teeth into. And of course, it's a great way to stay up to date with the podcast every week. That's enough for me for now. I'll be uh, back at the end of the show to share some final thoughts. But for now, here is technology trends in athlete branding, marketing, and empowerment. Jared Barnes, Manager of Former Player Marketing at Los Angeles Rams. Welcome to Sports Tech Feed. Great to have you on the show. Thomas, pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. So we're going to talk about some of your work at the Rams uh, more broadly, but a lot of the conversation today is going to focus on that idea of athlete marketing. Um, and especially some of the changes that we've seen in name image likeness uh, at a collegiate level. Can you start off by telling our audience what you define or, or the commonly accepted definition of athlete marketing and branding is? It's a great question. And it's such a unique definition because I'll be honest, it's constantly evolving. What was true 20 years ago uh, is completely different than what is today. And what's going to be true, you know, two, three years from now, maybe even completely different than what is today. But at, at its core, really, when you think about not just athlete marketing, but marketing in general, right? It's, it's really the influence of a, of a brand or the influence of an individual on consumer behavior. So when we, when we put it specifically towards athletes, right, it's all that behind the scenes execution of, of planning uh, of the strategy uh, to really influence uh, the behavior and decisions of fans, utilizing athletes as a medium towards that. Uh, and then when you think about branding, you take it a step further and you think about the story behind that marketing, not just uh, a great commercial, not just a, a great billboard, but what's the story behind it? What does that 
uh, message actually mean, right? That's where, you know, fan loyalty, uh, brand equity comes into play. What does that actually look like in real life? That's in, you know, why do certain fans cry when their team loses? It's because there's a, a brand association or an equity or loyalty associated with that. You know, and may he rest in peace when Kobe Bryant passed early this year. Why did that have such a heavy influence uh, on us as a society? It was, in a sense, the Mamba mentality brand and what that stood for and who he was. That's really when you talk about influence uh, and athletes as a core medium to that, uh, what that truly means and how it's felt on us. And why I kind of started with how it's evolving and emerging is I think what gets me excited is when you think about marketing in general, you know, our social currency uh, uh, as consumers is continuing to evolve and change, right? And as COVID has really hit, uh, I think social media has also really hit and emerged as well, mm. right? And, and athletes have become uh, uh, taken much more seriously, right? From the general broad consumer base, uh, both from a political standpoint, right? As, you, as you've seen, you know, athletes' voices being heard all the way up to the White House, down to, you know, a brand standpoint, right? And brands really seeing athletes as, as key influencers and individuals who can amplify and, and potentially even change the trajectory of a brand to reach a, a new market. So I know that was a little long-winded, but get really excited about both of these concepts um, and had the opportunity to, to be at this intersection here in my role with the Rams. Yeah, it's, it's gone beyond the traditional... Um used car salesman or kind of selling cereal or whatever it is um, with just the, hey, I'm, I, I eat this and I, I'm an athlete and I perform. It's, it's, it's the, these layers of narrative and, and, and what that means, their personal brands and how that all um, interacts. And, and talking about that uh, with athletes uh, at the collegiate level, so and they are athletes, they are student athletes, but they are athletes nonetheless. Um, and they put in all the work and, and the dedication and and, and have the performance and also drive the, the kind of revenue that professional athletes um, do, especially if you look at uh, college football in the US, um, some kind of eye-watering numbers. But they, as it currently stand, can't profit from that as part of the amateurism. Can you explain what name image likeness is and, and why that matters in the context of student athletes? Great question. And it's, uh, you know, it's, again, something that is constantly evolving at its core uh, to keep it, you know, very, very simple to break it down. Simply, you know, take it take it by storm. Right. Name is simply, you know, who you are and your right of publicity uh, in a sense to to monetize your name or that association and someone associating with your name and very similar with your image in how you appear in, in a sense, how a brand may utilize your image, whether that's your face or who you are, uh, whatever it may be. And then that likeness is in a sense who you would appeal to uh, individuals who you could connect with and how that's being leveraged as well. So at a very high level, I try to keep it as simple as possible when explaining this to people because it is, it can be one of these uh, uh, buzzwords that you hear and all oh, name, image, and likeness and sponsorship, endorsement, you know, what does that actually mean? But to break it down, that's, you know, really what th each of those uh, verticals represent, you know, and, and why it matters is when you think about it, uh, at the collegiate level, because to your point, Thomas, it is, it's, it's amateur sports, but I think anyone who, who observes, uh, uh, elite level division one programs or even, you know, elite level collegiate athletes in general, it really is professional, right? And these athletes as a former athlete and, and division one coach myself, uh, took it incredibly seriously, right? It, it would, you know, some moments, even though it wasn't literally, it felt like life or death. This is something that as a, as a, for me personally, as a young man and many young men and women across this country, they work their entire lives for this moment, 
right? And when you think about name, image, likeness legislation and the opportunity that it presents to monetize one's name, image, and likeness, 90, about 95% of those individuals who are going to be influenced by this, that's really their, their peak earning potential, those years, right? At a premier division one institution or even uh, at a division two or division three institution with a strong local market. Right. Uh, obviously, a lot of the attention goes to the uh, Duke basketballs, the University of Texas footballs uh, of the world. Right. But at the end of the day, each and every student athlete has the opportunity to participate in this. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and really monetize uh, uh, their audience. Right. Based on who they are, where they're at. And, you know, I think why it truly matters is really twofold. And number one, from a brand standpoint, thinking about that, because obviously a lot of the attention goes to athletes. Right. But from a brand, if I'm a brand, this is my gateway to, my, to, to truly capitalizing on a local market. This is my gateway to Clemson, South Carolina, my gateway to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, you know, my gateway uh, uh, to East Lansing, Michigan. Right. These these local markets that have such a avid and loyal uh, fan base. Right. We were talking about from a brand standpoint. Right. The, these deep uh, traditions and, and fan bases that presents a huge opportunity from the brand standpoint. Then to flip it on its head as well. This is a huge opportunity uh, for the institution. Right. Not necessarily uh, uh, from a from a monetization standpoint, but to capitalize on the entire ecosystem that can emerge as well. Right. You, you've seen a number of schools begin to take this more and more serious and either outsourcing vendors, which I'm sure we'll talk about, or even building their in-home in-house programs. Excuse me. But this now becomes a true competitive advantage for institutions, not only from a recruiting standpoint, athletically, but I think we all understand why college football and college basketball has grown to what it is today and why there's, you know, a billion, it's a billion dollar uh, revenue industry is because of the fan bases, right? So you're putting more eyes, more attention on the students, uh, uh, student athletes who are, who are competing on the field, uh, and you're gaining, in a sense, more consumers. So it presents, a lot for the external stakeholders at play. And I know I'm getting long-winded here. I get, I get excited about it, but it presents, you know, honestly, the, the greatest opportunity to the student athlete now who yeah. has sacrificed their entire career, made an incredible sacrifice, even in their college experience and, and can speak from, from personal sacrifices made to then leverage that and now gain access uh, to opportunity, uh, whether that's monetize, monetizing uh, their likeness or, you know, building a brand and building a runway uh, to a future career, right? I, I don't always think it has to be necessarily, you know, product placement or, or an influencer sponsorship. It could be, you know, building a runway for them to launch their own company. It could be building a runway for them to build a whole new line of business to transition to after their career in sport, right? So I, I, I know I, we can quickly go to the, the, the quick wins that an athlete may get, but what it does, it redefines the, the transition process. It redefines the runway that an athlete can build at 18 for what's possible at 26, 27, 28 uh, in their lives. So I think it, it, it's huge. And I, I think that's why, yeah. why it matters. And, and I mean, what to, for those that don't know, and I mentioned, mentioned this in my introduction a little bit about the context of, of how it operates with amateur sports in the US, but is there any other way for an amateur athlete um, a student athlete, which is a synonym for amateur uh, athlete, to earn an income from their performance at you, the moment? At the moment, no. 
At the moment, yeah. no. Right. There, there's heavy regulation uh, around it, rightfully so. You know, and it's honestly to protect the athlete. Uh, but what name, image, likeness does, it opens that up uh, in a way that the athlete now can become empowered to truly uh, have more ownership over their destiny and their experience. Yeah. And so what's changed? Like what's brought about this change that now name, name image, and likeness is um, being kind of seriously considered and included in the mix there and as an avenue for these student athletes to um, really earn their fair share of what they're putting out into the world. Yeah, you know, and honestly, just to give some historical backdrop, right, and you, you kind of alluded to it earlier of, you know, kind of the old days of just a commercial is, has, uh, uh, in a sense, grown. we've grown from that, right? And I'm a huge fan of, of Michael Jordan, loved The Last Dance, and in The Last Dance, I forget what episode it was, but, you know, it showed the behind the scenes of his Space Jam commercial and all of the endorsements he received uh, during his career with the Bulls. Um, and even his career uh, in baseball as well, right? The number of endorsements that were uh, extended to him. But I would say Jordan, that's the 1% of the 1% of the 1%, right? I think what, what has really changed is that 1% now has become truly 100% in, in at least ability and opportunity. I think, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you know, we started with, with Jordan as kind of the face to you know, build this bridge to athlete marketing. And even earlier this week, right, I think where we're at now is LeBron James' son, Bronny James, just signed a deal with FaZe Clan, the esports team. And what yep. he's done is it, it incredibly expanded his audience by 10x and now segmented it in a way where he has a, a new ability to capitalize and monetize uh, an esports audience, right? And so you're, you're beginning to see the power dynamics change, right, from the athlete standpoint. Then from the fan standpoint, right, the, the fan is now being provided so many more intimate experiences. And maybe thanks to COVID, not thanks to COVID, I think we're heading there anyway. But now thanks to COVID, there are these in incredible technologies and platforms that provide intimate experiences and access to fans in a way that's never been presented before. I mean, you look at uh, Cameo, uh, Fangage is another uh, uh, startup as well, Bidsig, another startup that are providing these one-to-one -one intimate experiences yeah. uh, for fans to engage with their athlete in a personalized way. Uh, right, the NBA has taken this by storm um, and engaging with a number of uh, uh, startups in this front, but that's becoming more and more of a trend and not just a trend, but an expectation, right? And if you look at uh, uh, Gen Z um, and millennials, right, fandom now is beginning to start with individual athletes and not just the team in the league, right? It used to be the old days was, oh, I'm a fan of the MLB. I'm a fan yeah. of the NCAA. Now it's I'm a fan of LeBron James. I'm a fan of Trevor Lawrence, the, the quarterback at Clemson, right? We, we've become fans of individuals because of social media and because of athlete marketing and branding because we're getting yeah. to experience them. Does that make sense what I'm gonna, saying? Yeah, I, I was going to say, is it, is it not just those kind of advanced, if you want, or niche products like Cameo, things yeah. like that, that directly connect um, fans and their audience one-to-one? -one. Is it also just social media Generally, in the sense of you have Instagram, you have TikTok, you have whatever else. I'm filming a selfie. It's it's me experiencing this. It's LeBron James going about Taco Tuesday. It's it's all that kind of stuff that brings um, the audience into the into the the uh, the fan into the athlete's life, um, and people have become accustomed to that. And no. and yeah, is it that as well? Is it because I think that's been kind of a slow burn um, that's expressed itself in a lot of other areas? No, I totally agree, right? And the reason I brought up you know those platforms is because I firmly believe they were birthed out of the need, 
right? They yeah. were birthed out of the, 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 the consumer demand for yeah, that next, service. The, the, exactly. The next level. They yeah. want that extra tier, extra layer of service, right? Yeah. Because exactly to your point, Thomas, the documentation of the athlete lifestyle as at an, is at an all-time high right now. And rightfully so. It's exciting. You know, if I'm the mm. average fan consumer, I want to know uh, uh, what a student athlete's day in the life is. Right. That used to be, you know, one of those uh, YouTube long form YouTube videos uh, a couple years ago, a day in the life of the athlete. And it was, you know, the old selfie stick. And that, that was kind of the piece of content. Now that's been, uh, I want to say, democratized and, and broken down into Instagram reels, into TikTok, into Snapchat, IG stories, you name it, right? That's now been broken down into more bite-sized consumable content that people are gravitating towards, not only from a uh, athlete standpoint, and you look at overtime and, and how they've taken their audience by storm, but just the general fan. Right. The, mm. the, the average fan is now leaning into that and wants to understand that more because it is it's rare. It's so special. There's something that is so unique about it that I want to lean in more. Right. Not just as a uh, uh, avid or loyal fan, but also the casual fan. Right. We're beginning to see that traction emerge more and more. So, no, totally agree with you. Right. I think that's where, you know, these platforms that have come up uh, are based off of the traction and demand that is we're currently seeing. Yeah, and I guess it's a bit of a chicken and the egg with technology. Yeah. The de- dem- democratic, uh, democratizing <laughs> um, force of technology is, and that uh, breaking down barriers to connection between um, athletes and, and fans is that the more it happens, the more people want, the more people can follow individuals rather than following a team, um, the more that they'll kind of pick and choose who they follow. And, and that's certainly something in fandom that's emerging as a trend is um, people following individual players and, and especially Gen Z, younger generations, um, you'll have your team, you might have your team, you'll still have that, you'll follow them, but you might follow an individual player. Um, and in terms of connecting with them, it's not necessarily sitting in front of a TV and watching a whole game of basketball, football, whatever else it is. It might be just following what they're doing on social media and staying up to date with them there and staying interested and engaged. I mean, uh, Bronny is a, is a prime example. I don't think there's too many people that closely follow high school basketball um, in in that neck of the woods. But uh, for people around the world, they're, they're kind of following Bronny, what he's doing because of who he is and and kind of how he builds and, and the popularity. And really interesting, you mentioned esports as well. Um, that's really reflecting that social movement, the way that people are kind of following teams but personalities more than anything else. Like people follow the personalities in FaZe Clan above and beyond FaZe Clan itself. Mm-hmm. Um, ben Simmons is another one, the, the NBA yep. player, um, just signed a deal with, with FaZe Clan as well. So all of that, that massive confluence is, is kind of expressing itself. Is there, is there other changes that have happened either um, kind of legislatively or culturally that, that you think um, have led to basically name image likeness being, NIL being um, at the forefront of of what's happening now. Yeah, and I think twofold, right? To speak on that, I think from a legislation standpoint, it can be challenging because obviously the NCAA acts as the governing body, but for this legislation, there is no one size fits all. It's actually, you know, state by state, you know, as of this moment. And so that's what makes it challenging and unique uh, in, in how this may transpire, you know, in, in, in rolling out. And you're seeing states like Florida uh, and California 
be really the, the leaders in this space. And obviously these institutions are benefiting from that the most. Uh, and I think you're gonna see more and more uh, schools and excuse me, states adopt that moving forward. But I think that's what makes it challenging. Uh, and and it, you're gonna, it, it's a little bit more segmented. And then as it relates to kind of the second part of your question in the, the cultural shifts, Man, I would say there's a lot of cultural shifts. If you look at recruiting, number one, I think this is really where it kind of started and burst out of. And the reason Bronny is doing phenomenal right now, number one, it doesn't hurt to have LeBron James as your dad. You know, that's, 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 I would say that's a pretty, pretty good leg up on, on most people. I'm not the smartest man in the world, but hey, yeah, that's yeah, a leg up. To, to have but, either the, to have the best or the second best basketball player uh, you of all know, time, you know, depending on where that, you stand on it. You know, that, third best, that might be a separate, know, separate, uh, second, separate podcast a, right there. Yeah, separate podcast. Yeah, no one's ever talked about that on a podcast before. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, I will say what what Bronny has done and what a number of athletes have done and and continue to do that I I saw burst out of recruiting is he's branded himself. Right. Mm There is a distinct brand that that Bronny uh, uh, portrays, even from a logo standpoint, how he presents himself on social. Right. What you're starting to see from a shift standpoint is it's not just, you know, athletes. Oh, I'm just going to post, you know, whatever photo I want. There, there's a, a very firm strategy behind it. Institutions, I know uh, University of Oklahoma, uh, UCF football have done a great job of meeting, creating logos for all of their incoming recruits. Texas A&M, another one. Uh-huh. University of Florida, another one. They're branding these athletes as they come in. Why? To give them the best possible opportunity to then market themselves. Because it really yeah. starts with the branding that allows the amplification of the marketing. But that's probably the cultural shift you're starting to see, right? Because at the end of the day, the brand is what really is where really the value is, right? The yep. marketing is simply the extension of that. But the brand is, is how you build, in a sense, your valuation, for lack of a better term, uh, if I'm an athlete. And so I think you're seeing these measures now with the University of Texas uh, launching their leverage program that they've done a phenomenal job of even branding themselves. You're seeing institutions brand their programs in addition to branding their athletes who are then cycling up through this funnel to ultimately have the most marketability where the in, in turn the ecosystem wins. That's kind of the, the flywheel that I've observed, observed, excuse me. That's what I've, I've seen kind of take place and I think will begin to replicate itself in these smaller markets as it grows. And where, again, as it gets interesting, is the legislation that comes into play, mm. right? Because I think the beauty of it is to date, there's no cap on earning potential uh, of what that could look like, which is is great. But also, I think that's where some buffers uh, would, would want to be in place. Uh, just because, you know, I think there's a lot of young men and women who want to be treated as professionals. But I can tell you, you know, when you're a professional athlete, there's a lot more that comes with that than just, you know, yeah. the lights and cameras and, and smoke and mirrors. That is now employment uh, in which you could be fired from. Right. So that's a it, it, there's a lot of layers to this um, and even involving parents in relationships and other key stakeholders at play. There's a lot of layers to this, not only from a a, uh, a relationship standpoint, but even from a compliance and legislation standpoint as well. So, again, show that at a high level. But uh, uh, it, there's a ton of upside with that. There's also uh, a, a number of barriers that, that, that are going to be in place as, as this continues to evolve and emerge. Yeah. And it's, uh, I, I mean, California was the first to, to jump on it with um, some of the legislation that's coming into effect in a few years around allowing name image likeness. And, and that really forced the hand of a lot of other states, um, the NCAA itself, 
um, to acknowledge that this isn't going away. This is a this is a trend that's expanding and. And as you said, things like UT with their, um, their new platform, he's actually selling that and getting out ahead of it and going, Exactly. well, actually, we want to build your brand. We, we, we don't think that, you know, that's a bad thing to have our individual athletes build their brand because ultimately it benefits our brand. I mean, if you say, well, no individual is bigger than a team, that's very true. But ask the, the Buccaneers um, how they feel about <laughs> having Tom Brady as their quarterback. Tom Brady's got the band, t- a brand, TB12. Their merchandise sales went through the roof. Like that's the other thing is it benefits the team. If you can market your and connect your individual players um, or athletes to your brand with your fans, mm-hmm. then it's going to, you know, rising tide lifts all boats kind of stuff. So I think there's, there's as you said, lots of nuances of how this is implemented, how it, how it helps um, the not, you know, uh, not not the highest levels, how it, how it helps lower kind of level athletes and also lower level schools that needs to be hashed out. But um, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's kind of, it's high time that these athletes got paid what they deserve um, for what they're building with it, building their brand. I couldn't agree more, right? I, I couldn't agree more. And I think it, it presents tremendous opportunity again like we you know we alluded to earlier to to redefine this runway and 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 redefine what's possible for an athlete to do right and i know uh student athlete development departments at institutions it's kind of the world i came from uh came up through right i've been doing placing a number of programs systems and structures to uh assist with this but i i truly think you know, the, the University of Texas is obviously a leader in this, but you're going to start to see more emerging technology that are, is going to allow this to scale, right? Open doors, uh, influencer, Cura story, right? You're starting to see these these uh, uh, brands. Open doors has been in the space a number of years along with uh, influencer. Cura story is a little bit a little bit newer, but you're starting to see technology amplify all of the work that is happening at the institutional level. And I think for me, that's what gets me excited. That's really kind of the, the, I would say, the product market fit or proof of traction, right? That the, you know, now you're going to start to see this, this runway grow and athletes begin to become smarter, right? And not necessarily uh, that they weren't smart before, but become smarter and more engaged and actively engaged from a business standpoint and business acumen uh, and gain that. One of the things that I truly enjoy uh, in, in, in my work with the Rams is, is actually teaching you know, a number of our players that we involved in ap- uh, activations, how it actually happens. Like, hey, mm-hmm. that's great. You showed up for this activation and you're signing a few autographs for fans. Here's how it actually here's how it actually happened. Right. Yeah. And the, I, the 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 uh, flip of the light bulb that goes on and in one's head when when they uh, understand that exposure is just it's incredible. Right. And I think it begins to empower athletes in a way that, that hasn't been done before, uh, because what this also presents now is it presents ownership and autonomy. Right. In, 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 in a way that can be truly empowering. So I'm, I'm very much with you, Thomas. Excited. Yeah. And and, he's, and you mentioned technology there, like we were talking about how technology has basically enabled this to happen and technology as a broad term encompassing also digital platforms, social media, things like that. That's why these athletes can build a fan base and a, and a brand um, with directly with their fans. Where, what role does technology play in, in basically continuing to grow this, democratize it? help it get out there. I know you mentioned a couple of platforms there. Could you expand on that a little bit? 
Yeah, you know, I, I would say at a deeper level, again, that's where the real true democratization occurs, right? If you think about a, you know, a platform like Open Doors, where it's helping you understand and placing a valuation uh, on your brand, that allows you to become more empowered in conversations with sponsors. If you think about a platform like Cure Story or even in the esports world, Athlane, that helps connect you, help, helps connect you to sponsors based on your current brand, your current location and where, you know, ultimately your goals. Right. Uh, and then I'm even, you know, thinking another platform slate that empowers uh, institutions to scale and distribute content, because that's truly when you think about what is the actual currency here, it's content. That's yeah. the true currency. Right. So at the end of the day, that that's what's being, uh, uh, in a sense, you know, going through this flywheelist content platforms like Slate Influencer help scale that and dis distribute it uh, uh, 10x compared to what you could do on your phone real quick, uh, trying to go through your photo library. Right. That's yeah. where the speed uh, truly brings out the scale, if that makes sense. And, and even taking a step back with with gathering the content, gathering um, the actual footage yeah, things like huddle. Um, oh, the, yeah, huddle for for athletes of all all walks of life. Um, things about, I mean, there's Pixelot doing some stuff. Um, they're at Israel. They've done some stuff for Barca, but it's about remote production. So if you can have uh, the women's soccer team for a Div two school, um, but people follow it, uh, and you, you can't have someone sitting there with a video camera anymore, like you get fixed. Um, cameras that do remote production you get all this content then you can push that out flow sports who are a fantastic local austin company here um doing that as well it's it's being able to put this out there into the world and connect with those fans uh, and do that in a low cost efficient both in terms of, of money but also time an efficient way um and and really get it out there and amplify it so you, you know uh, and, and to build off of that yeah i think what's really interesting is that content it doesn't have to be geared towards sports, right? You know, I think it, it could be easy to think that it always has to be athletic or performance based. You know, if an athlete has an incredible passion for, uh, I mean, you look at Juju Smith-Schuster and why his YouTube channel surpassed a million followers was because he was funny and genuinely mm. funny. And he yeah. went around Pittsburgh playing jokes. Uh, it was more of a docu-series, but it was very personable. He would break down highlights. He was, he was relatable, right? What he did, he humanized his brand and he allowed his personality to shine. Right. So this content that we're talking about, right, I know we can get real technical and how it's distributed and where it's coming from and where it's going. But at the end of the day, it's, it's about that athlete's personality. Right. If, if I'm a brand specialist and I'm working for an athlete, the very first thing I'm doing is understanding who they are as an individual and understanding what their passions are. So I can make sure as that brand specialist to amplify that, because at the end of the day, authenticity is what connects to consumers. Right. And if it's if you're not curating authentic content and it's you know, you can tell it's staged and it's it's stale, for lack of a better term, that's not what's going to create traction. It has to be authentic uh, because, you know, in this world, we're flooded with content, right? That, that, that's the thing we are not lacking at all. Mm. Right? We may be lacking other things, but we are not lacking content. And so this, the content that is produced by athletes, that the, the priority is going to be placed on authenticity, right? So back to who that athlete is. And that exactly, to our point earlier, is why Division Two, Division Three student-athletes have the opportunity to monetize, because is it great that you're, you know, the starting quarterback at, at Ohio State, starting quarterback at USC? Absolutely. You're going to have a de facto audience. 
but because of the hyperconnectivity of our world, you can be the starting defensive lineman at a Division three school, but if you build your brand in a way that yeah. connects with a segmented audience, you have a chance. And yeah. that that right there is true empowerment, true autonomy. Uh, and it, will it take you know a little bit longer for that to, to emerge? Absolutely. But it's I, I truly believe it's possible. Yeah, and technology and digital platforms is what's going to accelerate that and enable that. Definitely. So, last question here: What what are your hopes for the future of the space? Where it's going to go in the next um, next little bit? No, it's a great question. You know, I'll start with kind of the high school space and then work our way up. And if you think about high school, right, and alluded to overtime as an example uh, earlier, Mars Reel is another platform that has just created some incredible content for young men and women, uh, whether they're basketball players or football players, uh, uh, soccer, right, another emerging sport in, in the U.S., right? It's, it's been incredible to see the amount of content being produced at that level. Uh, and so I think that's what really allows high school athletes, as we were talking about Bronny earlier, to start now, right? Yep. To, to truly start now. My hope uh, uh, for the future of high school sports is that you know student athletes, uh, even at 14, 15, start thinking about that, right? Because at the end of the day, if you're thinking about your brand at 14, 15, 16, you're ultimately thinking about who, you know, what you stand for, uh, ultimately thinking about what type of message you want to send to this world, ultimately mess- thinking about you know, where you want to go in the future. And I don't know about you, Thomas, but that's encouraging to me, right, yeah. at, at its core. Then as you get into collegiate athletics, uh, and, and, and you, there's a, a certainly a higher stage uh, there, I think what gets me excited and my hope is that, you know, technology is able to truly amplify that, right? But that technology is regulated because, you know, it, it, it can be a tough world, right? We, we, you've seen a number of stories uh, about Olympians who have shared their experiences from the Tokyo Games being canceled and how they lost sponsors and the net influence and impact of that, right? Uh, that's, that's a very real thing for student athletes because if you think about, you know, student athlete populations and those who would likely monetize, uh, first are, are, you know, primarily student athletes who are coming from low income backgrounds, coming from underrepresented backgrounds, may not have been exposed, uh, uh, you know, to a conversation with a brand or sponsor at a young age, may not have had that type of experience in their family, right? Um, you know, it, it, that's where I think the, the education brings so much value because at the end of the day, if you're not educated in this space, you can get taken advantage of, right? Yeah. And I think that's a very, very real thing that, you know, I would be remiss if I ignored that or didn't mention that. Uh, and and also the schools need to step into that space no doubt. like talking about no the schools doubt. being the institutions. Um, that's also where the responsibility lies. Uh, if you're going to profit from from these students, then then it's part of parcel is their, their development. Um, and not saying that schools aren't focused on that, but it's, it's, it's a next evolution of, um, their ongoing education. No doubt, no doubt. And then, you know, lastly, to close out, I think, you know, once an athlete gets to the pro level and even before that, right. I mean, you see, uh, Justin Fields, a quarterback of Ohio state starts a petition to, to restart the big 10. Um, you know, who knows only time will tell, but I think, What's happening right now is, is athletes are writing the script for the future of what it means to be an influencer, right? Mm-hmm. That, that is really, really intriguing at a macro level, right? If I'm writing an investment thesis around this, you're seeing athletes become true influencers and really move the needle in ways that hasn't been done before. And fortunately and unfortunately, it was, you know, really birthed out of a social justice movement. Right. Which, you know, if you, you see how the Black Lives Matter movement has, has taken 
true uh, force within institutions and you see athletes protesting, uh, which it is their you know, absolute public right to do right peacefully. And for me, that gets me excited, right? Not only as an African-American in this country, but as a former athlete, former coach who, who knows uh, individuals in this space, right? That, to, to empower an athlete with that platform is incredible. But with that, as the age old phrase goes, with great power comes great responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. So back to that education, back to the foundation, back to the responsibilities of the institution, of these key stakeholders, of you know parents and coaches to make sure they're properly supporting that athlete because you know I think the, the spectrum of influence goes both ways. The spectrum of influence goes in such a positive direction uh, 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 in a way that you see athletes standing up, advocating uh, 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 for social justice in ways that haven't been done before, but you see the spectrum in the opposite direction, right? Athletes who may have said things that they wish they didn't say on Twitter or said, you know, may have yeah. made statements that they didn't wish they said. And that totally deterred them uh, uh, for maybe the rest of their lives. Right. Because we lived in this hyper documented world uh, that is also hyper connected. So I think that the spectrum of influence, both in a positive realm and negative realm, uh, is widening, um, which fortunately, unfortunately, is is there's a business on both of those. You know, yes. uh, if, if yeah, you look at it yeah. in both ways. So, again, at a very high level. I'm incredibly uh, optimistic and high on, on this space, but I think as the spectrum widens, as will the technology and support structures around that. Yeah, fantastic. Well, really interested to, to follow what's happening and, um, and also kind of I, passion that's close to your heart, close to my heart as well, and it's, it's something that's very interesting and, and some of our international listeners might not as much understand the context of it in the US. And I think this has been a great uh, conversation around that um, because the way that other countries do it and, and different ways that do it, but it's also applicable to um, young athletes as well that are coming through say academy systems um, in football, um, things like that. You know, the, 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 the future Messi that's coming through at 15 or 16 is developing their brand and, and growing and, and pushing forward. So it's not just a, it's not just a US thing. It is really a global phenomenon and also how technology can influence that um, and impact that. No, I, I completely agree, right? And to just touch on that a little bit, I think what makes the U.S. so unique is we have, you know, this true K through 12 high school sports system, right? I had that uh, opportunity to actually visit, uh, I think I was telling you this, had the chance to visit uh, Australia last year in 2019 yep. and learn just about the NRL uh, and, and, and how, you know, that system works and how young some of these athletes are in that space. And to go kind of the uh, um, uh, U15 or U16 route is, it's different, right? In, in the U.S., you, you really have to embrace amateurism. <laughs> to, to a certain extent, there's not not a ton of margin there. And so I think that's why this name, image and likeness movement uh, is so big, is so prevalent, because it's I would say it's a pretty d- dramatic disruption to what has taken place in the past. Right. Because we haven't had these direct uh, 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 U15, U16 systems. We've had AAU. We've had, you know, the EYBL or Elite Youth Basketball League. Right. Uh, which is certainly provided opportunity, but that in itself isn't a direct pipeline to the NBA or to the NFL. Um, you, you've typically had to follow that collegiate uh, system. Even you know the the college basketball has the one and done rule. You have to stay there one year. Uh, college football, you have to be on campus at least three years uh, or a redshirt year and play two years. Right. So there's these buffers in place. I think rightfully so. But now that's beginning to be redefined and opened up. So. 
to exactly to your point, right? To international listeners who may not have as much context, that's why I think it's so groundbreaking uh, uh, for athletes to take advantage of this opportunity. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I said it was a final question. It's definitely not. The final, <laughs> final question is, what is your favorite sporting moment of all time? Oh, man, that's a, that's a great question. You know, I'll, I'll be biased. Uh, I'm originally born and raised in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, so I'm a Midwest guy. Um, had an incredible, incredible privilege to play at Ohio State. Uh, 2016, we were in double overtime against the team up north. Uh, we don't say University of Michigan, we say team up north. So we were playing the team up north and uh, we ended up winning that game on the last play of the game in double overtime. And I'll tell you what, no experience like that. You want to talk about uh, uh, fan affinity, man, there was 110,000 people in that stadium erupting. Uh, incredible moment uh, from my life. That was actually my senior day. Uh, so I, that, that'll go down in history uh, in my book. That's fantastic. Well, we'll definitely find some footage of that. <laughs> but that double OT, there's yeah nothing quite like it. And, and to your point earlier about it's authentic. Those reactions are, oh, yeah. are authentic by the fans, by the players, by the coaches, everyone involved. Um, and that's something I want to kind of call back to is, is that this is about um, developing athletes for their authenticity and, and what they're doing. And that's a, that's a real key part of it. And also just a key part of sports. No doubt. No doubt. Well, Thomas, this has been phenomenal. Uh, like I said, excited about this and appreciate the opportunity. Thanks so much, Jared. Great to have you on the show. There you have it. That was Jared Barnes, manager of former player engagement with the, with the Los Angeles Rams. Really enjoyed having Jared on the show. Uh, very passionate, switched on individual when it comes to understanding the potential uh, and growth potential of players uh, in developing their own brands, understanding how that reflects also who they are as an individual. So there's there's that side of it that uh, I think gets talked about, probably not as much as it should in, in terms of um, college athletes, which is the pressure that these uh, young people are under as individuals. But as Jared said towards the end there, uh, the ability to actually, well, think about who are you, how do you present yourself to the world is also understanding your values, um, understanding um, what you stand for uh, and that can help uh, face those pressures. And and then certainly the role of technology in being able to connect with fans, being able to support them and being able to monetize that in in an equitable way. So definitely the space to watch. As I said, uh, sportstechfeed.com, we've got that fantastic report that uh, Jared put together, also putting up the website for the lab community, which is his online community for sports professionals. Uh, I've joined the Slack there, some really interesting topics and discussions going on, uh, not just around technology, but certainly a lot of tech discussions are focused there. I've been your host, Thomas Loams. Thanks again for joining us this week. You've been listening to Sports Tech Feed. (laughs) 